right, great to see everybody today. I'm glad you're here. You made it this afternoon in Centerpoint Church, third service. Yay for you. Uh, if you graduated yesterday or, or this past weekend sometime, congratulations. If you play in a band, my hat is off to you. All I could think about at one of the graduations was like, oh my gosh, this is 21 minutes straight of pomp and circumstance. You know that, da, na, 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 na. But after the 21st minute, I'm like, you guys are amazing over there on the band. Anyway, I'm glad you're here today for a tune-up. And I want you to uh, open up your scriptures to Acts chapter 2 because, you know, a tune-up can make all the difference, but it's important that you know what kind of tune-up we're going to have. Because, you know, I mean, you could get your, think about your car right? You could take your car in for a tune-up in the transmission, or you get a tune-up for the carburetor, or you get a tune-up for the brakes, different kinds of tune-ups. But what we need today is a tune-up in tongues for this message. So tune-up in tongues. Everybody say tongues. Come on, say it again. Tongues. Tongues. All right. So for, for some of us, you know, this, this idea of, of tongues is one that you know, we hear, okay, there's going to be a message about tongues. I'm excited. That's great. Or, or we hear somebody, you know, just over there somewhere, you know, praying in tongues. And we hear it, and uh, we kind of feel excited. We hear this sound of someone praying in tongues, and we feel excited. We think, all right, something powerful could be happening between that person and God. So this is good. This is exciting. Others of us, we hear that the message is going to be about tongues, and we're kind of going, uh-oh, you know? And, and, and maybe we, we came to church, and we heard somebody over here, like, actually praying in tongues, and we heard that sound, and, and we, we, we feel a little bit actually nervous, you know? We hear that weird noise, and we're going, oh, this kind of makes me anxious. What is that strange sound over there? You know, that kind of thing. And uh, others of us, we hear, all right, uh, I'm going to talk about tongues today. And you're like, tongues? And what? And, and maybe all you can think about is you're like, okay, French kissing? You know, like something like that, tongues, you know? Or you hear tongues, and maybe what comes to your mind is this. You think about like Mick Jagger. I don't know. Back in the day, you got, or maybe you hear tongues and, and this guy's in your mind. You're like, yeah, tongues, oh, you know, but take that away. It's going to disturb people. <laughs> this is the, the gift of God, this thing called tongues, and I want to make sure that we turn to the scriptures to get some insight about this, uh, this gift, this manifestation of the spirit, this blessing, this privilege, and I'm excited to bring you God's word on this today. Acts chapter 2. Is where we'll start, and then we'll spend some time in 1 Corinthians 14. So uh, pray with me. God, I pray that today you would uh, allow our, our minds and hearts and spirits within us to be ready, to be receptive to a life-giving word from your heart to ours. Thank you, God. And we say today, we're all ears. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, Acts chapter 2, verse 1 says, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. And suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. And all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now, there were staying in Jerusalem God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. And when they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? How then is it each of us hears them in our own native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, 
Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? Some, however, everyone say some, however. (laughs) Some, however, made fun of them and said, ah, they've had too much wine. You know, so just for starters, Sometimes God can move in power and in glory, and some people will immediately recognize the power and the glory and the gift of it and thank God for it, and others will say, what's that? I mean, that's just part of the dynamic. So just from the get-go, let's just start there and understand that not everybody experiences or perceives what is a gift from God as a gift from God. Sometimes it just doesn't come across that way to somebody the same way it might have come across to you. That is something that beckons us to, to love, doesn't it? Uh, and, and so uh, what we've just read is a, is a crazy day at church, if I don't say so myself, right? I mean, come on, if, if that was your church and all of a sudden, boom, that broke out, you would be like, whoa, it, it, it's, it's crazy. So I've got a friend who's a pastor of a, of a, uh, of a church up in Seattle area, and uh, he's, uh, he likes to send out postcards from the church you know, to the whole community to invite them, uh, invite people to, to church. And on the postcards, they always say, you know, this is what we're doing this month at our church, and this is what the teaching's going to be about, and uh, this is what's available for the kids, and, and all that kind of thing. But then on the postcards, they always put this graphic on the upper right-hand corner, and it says, no weirdness. You know, it's like their promise to their community. Like, hey, come to our church, and we promise you there'll be no weirdness uh, yeah, awesome. Uh, I've wanted to maybe consider you know, making a promise like that to people and come to center point, no weirdness, but the problem is I'm here, so I don't know if, <laughs> and a few others of you. <laughs> anyway, but more than that, when I read through the scriptures, what, what I find as I read through the, the Bible is that if, if what we do when we gather together is gonna include anything like what you read about in the Bible, there's going to be some weirdness. And, and no weirdness is probably not a promise that, that we could deliver on, you know? I mean, even just for starters, if you just, just went right back to square one, at the very core, we believe God became a person, and then the person, Jesus, as God, died for all of our sins and then rose from the dead. That's kind of weird. I mean, right at the very start, it's already a little bit weird. So why would we try to sanitize everything and package everything into, into not have anything too weird when it's, it's already inherently God, God taking people into a supernatural experience of something extraordinary. And I hope that we could come to the scriptures with a sense of anticipation. And, and here, here's what happened. I mean, in verse four, it just kind of said it, it said, all of the people there, about 120 people, all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Oh, man. That is a crazy day at church. But it said that the, there was a sound of a mighty rushing wind that filled the room, first of all. That's kind of crazy. Just this massively loud sound just filling the place. And then th- this physical visual appearance of something like flames over the heads of the people. That's crazy and weird. 
But then, then this happened. All of those people in that upper room just started going, right? <laughs> that's me like mock praying in tongues, right? I know that's weird, but I just, I prefer to do the mock praying in tongues like that because usually people do the mock praying in tongues more like this. It's always like, should about a Honda, should about a Kia, you know, that kind of thing. <laughs> I don't know. It just bums me out because I'm like, why does it always have to be a Honda or a Kia, you know? Like, what about a, should about a Benz or should about a Beamer, should about a Lamborghini? Like, people might want to pray in tongues more if we did it that way, right? <laughs> I'm just messing around. But that, that happened. Like, everybody just started... You know, praying in tongues, but, but not really praying, speaking in tongues, to be more clear. And this wasn't weirdness for weirdness sake. This was an experience of the power of God coming. This is what Jesus said would happen in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Jesus said, you wait in Jerusalem until you're clothed with power from on high, and you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And that's what happened. That's the moment. Holy Spirit came and they began speaking in tongues. But what, what actually took place is they went out into the crowds and verse 11 says this is what was actually going on. It says in verse 11, all those people from all those 15 different countries said, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. So this is the first instance of tongues. Now, right from the get-go, I want you to know that there are three manifestations of this thing called tongues. Three distinct, different ways that tongues shows up in the Bible. And I want to break those down for you. This is what I would call tongues one. This is just my own language. The Bible doesn't call it tongues one, two, or three, but, but I want to make sure that we can keep track of these three different incidences. So everybody say tongues one. <laughs> tongues one is what we just read about. Spirit of God came, people are stirred up by the Spirit, and they go out and they begin speaking in earthly languages that they didn't know before. And people on the street said, we hear them speaking our language and telling us about the wonders of God. So that's, what is that? That is tongues one. I want you to just remember that. That's powerful. It's amazing. It's miraculous. It serves this incredible evangelistic purpose. Wow. But that's just one aspect of Tongue. So now we're going to take some time to go over to 1 Corinthians chapter 14 to pick up on the other two instances of what tongues is. So you turn over to uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 14. And while you're turning to 1 Corinthians 14, let me ask you a question. If, if I told you there's a way that you could receive extra helpings of the strength of God in your life, would you want that? If I could tell you, there is a way for you to have a, a personal, just direct connect with God that would be powerful at the deepest levels for your life. Would you want that? Yes. Right, so, so this is kind of where we're going with this scripture, but, but first, uh, tongues two. Okay, so tongues two. This will be in 1 Corinthians 14, verse 26. And this is what we read there. It says, what then shall we say, brothers and sisters? When you come together, each of you has a hymn or a word of instruction, or a revelation, a tongue, or an interpretation. Everything must be done so that the church may be built up. If anyone speaks in a tongue, two, or at the most three, should speak. One at a time, and someone must interpret. If there is no interpreter, the speaker should keep quiet in the church and speak to himself and to God. Okay, now, big picture. Also tongues, but very different from what we read in Acts 2, isn't it? Remember Acts 2, the Spirit of God comes, they go out to the street, and they speak 
other earthly languages that they didn't know before. And people heard them directly in their own earthly language. This is different. This is, this is what I'm calling tongues too. And it's obviously, as we read the scriptures, different. It's somebody speaking, but nobody understands it. Unless person number two gets up and gives an interpretation. So that's really different from tongues one. So I just want you to remember that. We read about tongues one. Now here we read about tongues two. Everyone say tongues two. Tongues two. Now, the interesting thing about this particular manifestation of tongues is it gets an if. Everyone say if. Okay, so it's in verse 27. It said, if anyone speaks in a tongue, two or at the most three should speak one at a time. Someone must interpret. Okay, so this manifestation of whatever tongues is, is an if. It gets an if. The other ones get a when. This one gets an if. What that means is this is not a have to. This is not a must. This is a possibility. It's an if. And this one gets an if, and it also gets limitations. It gets, first of all, the limitation of one or, or two or three at the most. It kind of gets a limitation on the number of people that could do it. It also gets a limitation. In, and, and if this happens, you have to have an interpreter. Otherwise, don't do it in public. Did you catch that? So this one, tongues two, it's different than tongues one because it's, it's got to have an interpreter and it's something that people wouldn't understand otherwise. And it, 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 is, it is given an if and the limitations. I think it's probably got an if and some limitations for good reason. Here's why. I mean, I'll just explain it from my perspective as a pastor. Like, if all of a sudden while we were gathering, we needed to, we needed to say we have to do this, and somebody's going to stand up and say something that no one else understands, and then someone else is going to get up and interpret it, that would require a high degree of trust, wouldn't it? And it is also likely that it would come along with a high degree of cleanup work that would have to be done. Because who knows what someone might just say. And, and, and so I think that's why the scripture says, look, if, if, if you go there with this gift, if, as in you don't have to, because it could get weird. It could get messy. It could, it could, and, and so for good reason, this one says if. But there's also tongues three. And that's what I want to take us to now. Tongues three, it's in Acts 14. Or sorry, 1 Corinthians 14, verse 1. It says, follow the way of love and eagerly desire gifts of the Spirit, especially prophecy. Let's just pause for a moment, and I want you to read this out loud with me from the screen. God's word. Ready? Go. Follow the way of love and eagerly desire gifts of the Spirit, especially prophecy. So let me ask you a question. Do you eagerly desire gifts of the Spirit? Because not all of us do. Some of us maybe have a foregone conclusion, something to the effect of, ah, I don't believe any of that 1 Corinthians 14 weird stuff happens anymore. But I would just suggest to you, God is inviting you and I to, to des desire something eagerly. And if God is giving us a, a direction saying, I want you to eagerly desire this, do you think he would ask us to eagerly desire something that was bad? No, if God is giving us a direction saying, I want you to eagerly desire gifts of the Spirit, then maybe it's because there's something profoundly good that he is able and wants to do through the gifts of the Spirit. And the question I have for you is, are your desires lined up with God's desires? Because he said, I want you to eagerly desire the gifts of the Spirit. And so maybe for some of us, where we need to start today is just by saying, okay, 
I need to shift my own desires. Because maybe some of us have said to ourselves, I desire that I would never hear any of that weird tongue stuff from any of those weird tongue-talking people. (laughs) Maybe that's got to change. Because the scripture says, eagerly desire the spiritual gift, especially the gift of prophecy. Verse 2 says, anyone who speaks in a tongue does not speak to Does not speak to people, but to God. You should make a note of something. That's a little different than what we read about in tongues one and tongues two. (laughs) Anyone who speaks in a tongue does not speak to people, but to God. Indeed, no one understands them. They utter mysteries by the Spirit. But the one who prophesies speaks to people for their strengthening, encouraging, and comfort. Anyone who speaks in a tongue edifies themselves, but the one who prophesies edifies the church I would like every one of you to speak in tongues, but I'd rather have you prophesy. The one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues, unless someone interprets, so that the church may be edified. This scripture, this section here, is making the case broadly for the value of the gift of prophecy as really being greater than any other gift. And and yet, it also reveals something about the gift of tongues that we ought to take some time to just simmer with. And so jump back into verse two and and read this with me. It says that when anyone who speaks in a tongue, actually read it out loud with me from the screen, ready, go. For anyone who speaks in a tongue does not speak to people but to God. Indeed, no one understands them. They utter mysteries by the Spirit. Uttering mysteries by the Spirit is powerful and beautiful, but it makes some of us uncomfortable. Why? Because our typical Western, modern, philosophical, academically oriented, materialistically oriented mindsets don't really have much of a place for this. Uttering mysteries with the spirit, we want it all boxed in where we can control it and where we know exactly what the formula is. But this is something totally other than that. Uttering mysteries with your spirit is profoundly and decidedly metaphysical, mystical, and going beyond your personal cognitive function. And I think it's important that we recognize that. that God's word in so many other instances talks about the value of what we can do with our mind. Be, Be conformed to his image by the renewing of your mind. God is interested in our mind, our cognitive faculties being sharp and strong and God wants us to learn his ways and to have an academic philosophical approach. Yes, but not only. God also wants for us to be able to take that that deeper place that deeper aspect of our humanity that is beyond our frontal lobe of our brain, our spirit, and engage in his presence from that place as well. That's what the scripture is talking about here. When a person prays in tongues, they utter mysteries by the spirit. You know, the science actually backs all of this up. Back in the day, there was a linguist by the name of Noam Chomsky that did a a study about, you know, praying in tongues, and and they had linguists research all of these examples of people praying in tongues, And, and what they found was that the people praying in tongues, whatever was coming out of their mouth, there was no human or earthly linguistic pattern to it at all. So some people kind of look at that and go, well, see, it's just a bunch of gibberish then, huh? That debunks the whole thing. Just a bunch of gibberish. Just a bunch of shoulda bada Honda, shoulda bada Beamer. You know, it's just a bunch of that, right? And, and I'm, I'm not buying it. Well, 
The scriptures have already revealed to us, both here and in 1 Corinthians 13, 1. 1 Corinthians 13, 1 says, these, these are the tongues of angels, it, meaning it's, it's not meant to have been observable as a human linguistic pattern. It wasn't ever that to begin with. And, and what's happening is a person is uttering mysteries with their spirit, not speaking coherent sentences with their brain. <laughs> So a, a, a researcher by the name of Andrew Newberg at Uni- University of Pennsylvania did a, a study of people praying in tongues, and he put them in a, in a spectrometer, a brain scan spectrometer, to study their, their brain activity while they prayed in tongues, because he just wanted to know, what is this? What's going on? And did this research, and, and out of all these people that were you know, put into the brain scan, what they found was when they put the scan on them, and, and they had them first just talk in English, uh, they, they would have the frontal cortex of their brain light up with activity. But then when he said, okay, now begin praying and praying in tongues, the people would do that, but then the brain scan would show all of the prefrontal cortex activity going out. It, it, was, it was no longer the prefrontal cortex. The prefrontal cortex, the frontal lobe of your brain, that's where you're in charge, where you have all your thoughtful cognitive abilities taking place, where you're doing the direction, and, and it's all about what, what you can think up. That all went away in the brain scans. Why? Because they were uttering mysteries with their spirit. They weren't putting thoughtful, cognitive sentence structures together. That that is what we would expect if somebody's uttering mysteries with their spirit. And the scans confirmed it. This this is not the only thing, though. 1 Corinthians 14.4 is something I'm passionate about. It says that when a person is speaking in tongues, they edify themselves. Why don't you read this verse out loud? Ready? Go. Anyone who speaks in a tongue edifies themselves. Edifies, that is, to make stronger, to strengthen, to gain strength. Anyone who speaks in a tongue edifies themselves. There was a, another study done by another scientist, because I guess they geek out on this kind of thing, but this guy, Christopher Lynn from the State University of New York at Albany, did a, a whole study. It was published in the American Journal of Biological Research, and it, in his study of a bunch of people praying in tongues, he hooked them up to brain scans and did their blood work, And what his study found was that everybody praying in tongues, after praying in tongues, they had a a, a between 20 and 30% reduction in circulatory cortisol in their body. And they had an increase in the alpha amylase enzyme activity in their bloodstream. And I had no clue what either of those two things really meant. But as I read about it, what I found was that this is a, a, a measurable quantifiable reduction in stress. Cortisol and amylase uh, enzyme it has to do with the body's physiological stress response. Basically what his study proved was that when people pray in tongues, they have a 30% reduction in stress as a direct result of praying in tongues. And then another guy uh, did a, another study on this, Dr. Carl Peterson, he's a brain, uh, a brain scientist, a medical doctor who specializes in the brain. He did a study, what is this? What's happening when people are praying in tongues? What's going on? And he hooked people up and did his scans and measured the blood levels and, and what he found was uh, that the, 
the frontal lobe activity decreased, but an area of the brain that stimulates the hypothalamus increased. And so the hypothalamus got stimulated, and what that resulted in is a 35% boost in immune function in the body of the people praying in tongues. Did you hear what I said? Like, not, not from a, a Christian who's trying to make it a case for it, but from these scientists that aren't even believers trying to study it, finding that people praying in tongues have this measurable reduction in stress and the physiological hormones associated with stress, a measurable increase and a boost to the immune system. When the scripture says, anyone who prays in a tongue edifies themselves, you better believe that something's going on. And it's not just my idea, it is certifiably proven by people who wanted to maybe find something else. This is, this is what I wanted to make sure you understood, that there's benefits to praying in tongues, especially tongues three. And so let me just sum up five benefits. I've already shared them all, but let me want to sum them up. First of all, you get a direct connect to God in a supralogical way. You get a direct connect to God in a supralogical way, in a way that goes beyond the confines of your logic. This is good. Think about it. I mean, you might be a pretty smart person with a pretty good level of cognitive ability, but come on, God, God Almighty is infinite. And then I would hope that in order for me to be able to experience God, as much as I can come up with in my own special smarts, to really understand and appreciate and know and experience God, there's gotta be a way that goes beyond my thoughts. And there is. It's called praying in tongues. And benefit number two, it is a way to receive and express mysteries and revelation. I mean, this is what we read. A person who's praying in tongues, they're uttering mysteries to God with their spirit. Your spirit becomes activated in a way that is differentiated from your brain, from your mind thoughtfulness and you can receive and experience mysteries and revelation. Number three benefit is you get a personal inner strengthening. I don't know about you, but there's plenty of challenges in my life for which I would really love to have an extra access to some strength for God, and there is. It comes through praying in tongues. You get a, a personal inner strengthening. Number four, you get a physiological strengthening. That I've made the case for clearly. And because of all of the above, number five is you have a strategy for defeating every demonic thing that's coming against you through praying in tongues. This is important that you'd realize the benefit that the scripture uh, paints a picture of about, about tongues. So I want to just recap real, real quick before I land the plane. We, we're talking about tongues today, and this is a teaching to bring clarity, and there's three kinds of tongues. This is, this is not anyone else's language. This is just my way of putting these th three different types of experience with God in, a, in, in an order that I can make sense of. And so tongues one was from Acts chapter two. You've got people speaking directly to other people in a language that they never heard before or never knew before, but it's an earthly language. And the people understood it immediately. No help required. And it was an earthly language. And it was a message about God. And it had, uh, took place in public. So that's tongues one. And then we looked at 1 Corinthians 14, 26, and we saw, okay, there's something else here called tongues, but it's a little different. It's indirect to people. That is, one person says, you know, blah, 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 and the other person gets up and gives an interpretation of it. 
And it has to be interpreted, and it is in a heavenly language, and it's a message from God to the people, and it takes place in public. And then tongues three, from the beginning of Acts 14, one to six, was different than the other two. And it's direct to God, from your spirit, direct to God. And, and, and the essence of it is, is mysterious, and it may or may not be able to be interpreted. And it's a heavenly language, and it's a message to God, from your spirit to God, from the scriptures that we read, and it's private. So, tongues, one word describing three different things, but it's kind of like this, right? Like the word shoe. I might say, you know, put on your shoe, and who knows? That means different things. Like one shoe might be a, a black patent leather shoe, all shiny, buffed up, bright. And you know, that's a shoe, but that's a certain kind of shoe. You only wear that with your tuxedo, and you wear it once a year when you get invited to this weird black tie event. That, that's a shoe, though. And I might use this sh- another word, shoe. Put on your shoe, and you put on a, a, a Nike Air Jordan. And it's for a certain purpose. It's for getting out there on the basketball court and doing some hoops. And that's you. Like, that's that, that's that second and then another shoe might be one like the one I'm wearing. It's like an everyday kind of tennis shoe. and Just put it on every day. All of them are shoes, but each of them can be kind of different. It's kind of like that with this thing called tongues. It uses the same word in the scripture, but there are obviously three very different things going on. So now you know. You got tongues one, tongues two, and tongues three. You with me? Yes. Are you hungry? Yes. yes. <laughs> I knew somebody else would answer that didn't before. <laughs> All right, so... However you feel about tongues, this is what the conclusion is in 1 Corinthians 14, 39. It says, therefore, my brothers and sisters, be eager to prophesy and read this next part out loud and do not forbid speaking in tongues. But everything should be done in a fitting and orderly way. That's a, that's a good kind of wrap-up statement, isn't it? Everything should be done in a fitting and orderly way. And this is something that matters to God. And so I want to just describe something to you for a moment. So this past Wednesday night, we had Seek Night here. Seek Night is a, is a, I would call it a believers meeting. It's specifically like, hey, church people, believers, let's gather together. It's different. On our weekend services, I'm expecting that a whole bunch of us would bring friends, and maybe you're here for the first time, and this is kind of new for you. And so that affects the things that we choose to do. And so on Wednesday night, Seek Night, kind of a believer's night, there's a moment after the time of worship where I'm on the platform here and, and leading a time of prayer, and we're praying together, and I said to the everyone gathered here, I said, all right, now I want you to pray in the Spirit. That's a language the Bible uses for praying in tongues. I said, why don't you all pray in the Spirit, sing in the Spirit, pray in tongues, sing in tongues. And this is what I was asking everyone to do, and then something beautiful happened. For the next five minutes, the atmosphere in this room shifted as a whole bunch of us just began to do that, praying out loud in the spirit, in tongues, singing out loud in the spirit together. And the atmosphere shifted as a whole bunch of us engaged with God in an entirely different way. And in the previous moments, I think we had some excellent heady experiences of God, saying brilliant things with our own minds to God. But in that moment, we crossed a line where from our spirit within us, beyond the words, we just began to engage with the presence of God. It was so powerful, so beautiful. But inevitably, whenever we do something like that, I get some questions. And people ask me and say, well, hey, why did you do that thing? 
on Wednesday night where you asked everybody to pray in tongues out loud. And, and why did you do that on the platform? Why did you make those sounds like that? Isn't that illegal? I mean, aren't you supposed to not do that? Because aren't you supposed to only you know, have an interpreter? And my, my corrective to that is this, is when you understand that there are three distinct kinds of something called tongues, you understand that tongues too is the one that carries with it the limitations of you've got to have an interpreter. You can only do it in public if there's an interpreter. Otherwise, stay home. (laughs) But tongues three is different. Tongues three is not a message to the people that requires an interpretation. Tongues three is a person just individually interacting with God in a very personal, powerful, private way. And there's nothing out of order about experiencing that together. I do believe that uh, because of the nature of it, it's better suited for a gathering that's all believers because there's less explaining to do. But, but there's something beautiful about it. It's kind of like this. It's, it's private, but it can happen in the presence of other people, and it's okay. For example, if you were to go to the, uh, the airport, and you walk to your gate, and there's hundreds of people around at the airport and waiting for their planes, and you're waiting for yours, but you get a phone call from uh, your spouse or your son or your daughter, and you get on the phone, and you're talking, you're saying, oh, yeah, blah, 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 and I love you, and it's great to talk to you, and I love to hear your voice, blah, blah, blah. You're having a private conversation but you're doing it in front of hundreds of other people, and it's fine. It's not out of place at all. It's kind of like that with, with what happened here on Wednesday, Tongues 3. Everything should be done in a fitting and orderly way. You know, something else that sometimes comes up with regards to tongues is people will say, well, you know, I'm concerned that somebody's going to feel pressured into this. And I want to respond to that. I want to talk about that for a moment. I don't want anyone to feel any pressure that you have to pray in tongues. I believe that this is a gift from God and a good thing that God wants, and it's in a category of something that he told us to eagerly desire, all of us, but it's a get-to if you want to, not a have-to, and I want you to hear it that way. You can live a perfectly good life as a Christian and never pray in tongues and, and happily go to heaven when you die, but I'd also say at the same time, it's possible you could live a perfectly good life and never have any chocolate, never have any coffee, and you'd be just fine. <laughs> you'd, what I'm getting at is you'd be missing out. So no, yeah, it's not a have to. It's a get to if you want to, but if you knew what you were going to get, you wouldn't want to miss it. And so yeah, it's got, it's got a little bit of a weirdness factor to it, but anything truly spiritual has got something about it that's out of this world. You might as well enter in and experience something of the the move of the power of God. Uh, The bottom line is tongues are about you having access in a new way from the deepest level of your spirit to the power and presence of God so that you can change this world. And that's really what it's about, being a person who can live in the strengthening power of God to overcome whatever you've got to overcome and to and to experience his presence in the midst of it. Let me also say this. Praying in tongues will not keep you from sinning. Praying in tongues will not take away all of your weird, abrasive personality issues that bug other people. Oh, Aaron knows somebody like that. (laughs) Yeah, praying in tongues won't make up for 
bad that you've done in your life. Praying in tongues isn't going to make God love you any more than anyone else. Praying in tongues isn't going to uh, sort of make you more important than anyone else. Just, just be sober-minded about it. It's none of that. It is a wonderful way for you to experience a personal connection with God. And it isn't to have to. It's a get to if you want to. And I hope you would want to. I hope you would want to because God's power comes in such a, a wonderful way when you do. Ephesians 6.18 says this. It says, and pray in the spirit. By the way, the language of pray in the spirit is the biblical language for praying in tongues. And so the scripture here in Ephesians 6, why don't you read it out loud actually, go. And pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying all the Lord's people. Pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers. And to me, praying in tongues, praying in the Spirit is, is in the category of all kinds of prayers. And I hope you would engage in it. So maybe some of you are asking, well, what is the point of all of this? The point is for you to be built up and strengthened in your faith. That's really what is happening. That's what we're reading about here. Jude chapter one. Well, it's only one chapter, but Jude... <laughs> That's one of those books in the Bible that you kind of forget about because it's one page way in the back. But Jude 20, it says, you, dear friends, by building yourselves up in your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourself in God's love as you wait for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to bring you to eternal life. Back to verse 20 one more time. It says, but you, dear friends, by building yourselves up in your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit. The scripture is revealing that praying in the Holy Spirit or praying in tongues is a way to build yourself up in your faith. That's why I'm making a kind of a passionate plea today for this, is it's a way to build yourself up in your faith. Again, it's not a have to. It's a get to if you want to. But man, it's a good way to build yourself up in your faith. Somebody might be wondering right now, well, how? How does it happen? How do I receive the gift of tongues? You know, you, you could just simply begin, literally. You could just right where you're sitting today, you could just begin. You don't actually need anybody else to come along and sort of make it happen for you. I want you to know that. It's, it's a choice that you make to, to exercise your, your vocal cords and your mouth. Right? This is what you get to do. Um, but on the other hand, sometimes it helps to have someone else pray for you and lay hands on you or whatever. And we do that. Sometimes we'll say, all right, if you want to receive a gift of tongues, why don't you come up to the front? And sometimes people will see this happening and say, wait a minute, I'm concerned that somebody might feel pressured. First of all, there's no pressure. This is if you want to, you come forward. But if someone comes forward saying, I do want to receive the gift of tongues, what's going to happen next is there is going to be some pressure. Because here's what happens. Someone comes up and says, I want to receive the gift of tongues. And I say to them, okay, so stand next to me, and, and I'm going to pray in the spirit first, and then I'm going to be quiet. And then I want you to pray. Open your mouth and begin to pray. And so I'll pray, and then I'll stop, and then they'll stand there like this, <laughs> waiting for God to zap them, you know? <laughs> and then I'll say, no, 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 open your mouth, open your mouth. And then they'll go like this. They'll go, <laughs> they'll go yeah, no, no, let some sounds come out, you know? Why? Because we have this idea that, well, this is one of those things where God is just going to make me a puppet and going to force me to do something that I don't want to do. It's not that. It's never that. It's you choosing to engage in, in a different kind of a behavior than you normally would. For example, in 1 Timothy 2.8, it says, I want, I want people everywhere to lift holy hands in prayer. 
None of us read that verse and think, well, that's something that God wants, but okay, I'm gonna just, I'm gonna just stand here and I'll just wait. And if he really wants it, he's gonna zap me and then my hand will just fly up. <laughs> like this, and then, oh, look at that. You know? No, it doesn't work that way. It's just, you, you choose. You go, this is my body and I'm gonna just choose to say, God, I lift my hands to you. It's the same way with tongues. You choose to begin to, you know, a, a, a sociologist would say, free vocalize. And, and as you do, God triggers something deep within you, in your spirit, that allows this beautiful connection with him that's mysterious and powerful all at the same time. So I want this for you. And so if you want this gift, you come up to the front at the end of the service, we'll pray for you and, and we'll urge you. We will. We'll urge you. Say, come on, come on, open your mouth, because we got to. It's kind of like when I taught my kids how to ride a bike. I mean, I, I had to tell them, come on, pedal, pedal, do it. Because they need some urging. It's not manipulation, it's teaching. So this is available, it's something you can do. You don't even need to come up front. You could just begin. You could just say, God, give it to me, and then open your mouth and make whatever sound. Watch what he does, watch what he does. So in the end, the most important thing, though, is the last two words on the screen right now. Eternal life. Everything that I've shared today about tongues is completely secondary. It's great. I think I've made the case for that, but it's secondary. The most important thing is experiencing God's gift of eternal life through Jesus. And so for many of us, today's another day to say, God, thank you that I, that I have the gift of eternal life. I'm safe forever. I have the hope of heaven. But for others of us who are here, the truth is we're kind of new to this whole thing, being in church and whatnot, and I really want you to know this. The main thing is that God loves you so much that he sent his one and only son, Jesus Christ, so that you could experience the forgiveness of your sins and be made brand new and receive his gift of eternal life and live from that place of strength of knowing I have a home forever and a power here and now that comes from God my Father. This gift of eternal life is offered today. And if you're here and you've never received the gift of eternal life through Jesus, I wish that you would today put your trust in Jesus. Ask him to forgive you, to save you, and to make you new, to give you this gift of eternal life. So I want to pray for God to move right now and stir some of us up in the spirit. Would you pray with me? God, I thank you for your word. And I thank you, God, that in your word, we find, we find this beautiful picture of something that takes us so far beyond our own nice, neat, little, tidy boxes. <laughs> I'm grateful for that, God. I'm so grateful that you are so much bigger than you know, our, our little philosophical systems that we can come up with. And thank you, God, that you give us, through this gift of tongues, a way to enter into an experience of the, of, of the greatness of who you are, beyond our logic and our words. And I pray, God, for anybody in this room who's like, man, I want that. I want that. That's, I need that, that kind of way to commune with God. I pray, God, for an unleashing of the gift of tongues in whoever wants it by the power of your spirit, even now in this moment, but also when people come up front to be prayed for, that this gift would be ignited 